BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Nate Duncan here. Thanks so much for listening on the free feed. I want to tell you that next week's episode will be available for free as well, but exclusively on Dunktown Prime. We're having a 30-day free trial, and you get so much from that. In addition to every Hollinger and Duncan ad-free, you get every Dunked On five days a week with me and Danny LaRue ad-free, reacting to all of the key things that happen in the NBA every day, whether it's our position rankings, the awards podcast that we spend hours and hours researching, detailed recaps of every single playoff game, scouting reports of the top draft prospects, analysis of every single trade, every single free agent signing, analysis of every roster player who plays in summer league, outlooks for all 30 teams uh, with a journalist who covers that team, our top prospects in the NBA podcast. We are striving to give you the most comprehensive NBA coverage in the audio space, around 270 podcasts per year, plus our salary sheets, plus access to our Discord, which is an amazing place to interact with fellow basketball nerds. Dan Feldman's Daily Dunks, five days per week in audio or written form. Seth Partnow's writing and our chats once per month as well. We really hope you'll give Dunked On Prime a try risk-free with this 30-day trial, and we really like a chance to earn and keep your business. Check it out. The link is in the show notes. Welcome on to a special Friday edition of Hollinger and Duncan, where we have much to discuss uh, with the topics du jour. And also want to remind you all who are listening for the first time uh, on Dunktown Prime, we're really happy to have you on board. And uh, if you're on the free trial, we hope that we will earn your business over the next few weeks or so. John and I will be back again next week. Friday to wrap up all of the trade deadline action in the normal fashion. So, John, let's begin with this. You wrote about one of the big topics over the last week or so, which has been that offense is up so much. It's been some of these crazy individual performances. We've had 270 and 260 point games in the last couple of weeks or so. So, I guess where I want to start is like, is offense up like some crazy amount just this year, or is it just the cumulative effect of this over the last 10 years that seems to have everybody paying attention to this more than they ever have? Uh, it's it's the latter. I mean, yes, offense is up this year. Uh, I think it's about 2% compared to a year ago, like uh, yeah. 1. 1. 1.5 points per hundred, yeah. something like about that. About the same as it's been rising the last two three four years and the problem is it's just insidious 
and you look at the trend line where the graph is going and it's still probably okay now most of the time but you can see how it's trending toward becoming if not farce just a little bit less interesting when when the offense is going to score so often in some of these games uh you you really want to keep it uh, to me basketball is most entertaining when it's roughly a 50 50 proposition where a team is going to score or not on any given possession whether that's two or three and so the three-point line obviously changed the points per possession in the league and that's led to bigger numbers. But I think the bigger issue is just the perception that they're scoring on almost every play where, I mean, you have, you've had individual games where teams have averaged like 1.5 per possession, you know, where, where it's almost disappointing where they only got a two, you know? So (laughs) I, and and I think that isn't where you want to go as a league. So is it simply just, so that's what you think is that as you're watching, it's like, on this the percentage of possessions that the like just a feeling as you're watching that it's like well they're never going to get a stop here that you almost like stop being interested in whether in the possession because like oh they're just going to score here like this is too easy yeah yeah it almost i mean i watch a lot of hawks games so it's probably hit me harder (laughs) but uh You know, just just this feeling of, of like, okay, the only it, it's not even a question of if they score, it's how many will they score on this trip? You know, it's like it's like a given that they're getting in the red zone, and it's only a question of whether they're getting three or seven out of it. Yeah, you know, I'm just simply the number is not something that bothers me as much that it's like oh man we're at 130 here like this is crazy it is yeah i can understand why people are like ah this is starting to be a little bit of a perversion it's it's a little bit when you start doing we getting into historical records and stuff i I do think a little a little that way uh so that that is i didn't really get into that in my story uh for the athletic this week but that that is one thing that i wonder about a little bit you know we've had we had i think i had it in my story and i don't remember the exact stat i think we had six 70 point games in league history uh in like the first 60 years of the league and then we had four since january 1 of 2023 yeah now that is and i mean now back in the six i wonder how they felt back in the 60s right when you had i mean i think there was a feeling in the 60s that the game in the 50s was too miserable you had that 19 to 18 game in the early 50s and then they had to bring in the shot clock and but then like the pace was crazy right like back Mm -hmm. then i I think I still think the product is better now than it was back then because back then it was just like race it up floor and just throw up the first crap that you can, you know, a 17 foot hook shot off the glass running to your right. And, you know, teams were shooting probably in the half court were probably shooting like, you know, 38% or something with no threes, but they just would like run back and forth each time. And so like that was, that would have been to me probably worse than this because I didn't like, I do feel like teams value possessions. Like they are trying to compete on a possession by possession basis. Most of them at least, um, what do you think? Because you wrote about this a little bit. I know uh, Mike Prey has been talking about it too. The idea that teams aren't actually necessarily scoring on a larger percentage of possessions than they were before. It's just that they're more efficient now with the the introduction of the three point line. I I mean they're they're scoring on a higher percentage of possessions too. I, I think the three has helped yeah. that. And the reason the three has helped that is because we've seen two point percentages go way up because teams are so spaced out now that they can't stop drives anymore. So the teams have really figured out how to weaponize the three um and it's uh like this is the first year in a long time where taking a two is a better proposition than taking a three now because the two point percentage has gone up enough 
month. And the three-point percentage, even though the, the quantity of threes keeps going up every year, the percentage is right around 35 and a half, 36 every year. It's been pretty consistent for a while now. Yeah, we have also seen the teams at the top end aren't really taking that many more than they used to. Like we're, we're not, you would have thought maybe with some of those Houston teams five, six years ago that, oh man, we're going to see teams taking like 60% of their shots from three. And that hasn't happened. Like there's been more of an equilibrium, as you noted, where teams are more now going at, like they're using the threat at the three to set up the two. And so I do think that we're at like a pretty good place in terms of like the number of threes that are being taken. It doesn't seem like we're still kind of trending there. Um, The other thing you wrote about that I think is interesting is that this idea that maybe it's not like uncontrollable yet, but that the trend is still going up. And so if this isn't arrested, where are we five years from now? Maybe it is like a crazy farce at that point. Yeah, because if you go go up one point every year, you know, it's like the whole frog and boiling water thing, right? Like if you you slowly up the heat, the frog just sits in there and fries. But then if if you place him in a pot of boiling water, he jumps right out. And it's a it's a little bit like that, I wonder, with the league where they're not noticing as much because it's been incremental. Supposedly, their studies indicate that fans like offense. And I mean, it was pretty noteworthy that even Tom Thibodeau was like, yeah, we went a little too far on like the physicality and the, and the defense <laughs> yeah, you, in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, that interview. That was, yeah. I was like, well, okay. That's, <laughs> if even Tom Thibodeau was saying that, you know, we don't want to go back to that. Yeah. And frankly, if you watch a game from that point, you don't want to go back to that. I also think that when it really comes down to it in the playoffs, you know, you're not seeing 135 to 134 with actual good teams in the games that matter. Uh, Hopefully. So that's, yeah. Um, so I guess before we talk about possible solutions, so, so I guess, yeah, before we talk about possible solutions, let's, uh, just talk about some of the reasons why we are here right now. And I think it really started with the introduction of the zone defense. I think a lot of people go back to, oh, well, in uh, 2004 or five, they limited hand checking and then Steve Nash and D'Antoni came in. I think like D'Antoni is obviously like a massive component. All They were really the first mm-hmm. team to play spread pick and roll and, and spread the floor and have only, you know, play four out, one in or even five out at times. Um, but the other thing is putting in the zone defense because it used to be everybody's just going to ISO. And so you got to have your Michael Curry, your Trenton Hassel out there who can't do anything at all on offense because we got to guard the other team one-on-one. With the introduction of the zone, you could load more guys over to take away those ISOs. So it was like defending one-on-one in an isolation with that one guy wasn't as important. And then on the other hand, with the zone, you needed more guys to space the floor that, and those guys yeah. could now survive as yeah. well. You you can't play non-shooters anymore, basically, yeah. unless you're going to play them at the five. That's the, only, that's the only place you can play a non-shooter and not pay some kind of penalty for it. And it was just much easier to do that in the, you're right, in the in the previous era. And so that's tilted like, the that's tilted who gets the minutes. The minutes are going to more offensive players now. It's becoming a more offensive league. So yeah, I think, I think tactically that's been a huge component. Um, so, so you think that something needs to be done that, that this, that we shouldn't, this train is like headed to maybe go off the tracks and that, that something should be changed. I would be having a lot of meetings about this if I was the league and I would be trying to figure out what incremental things can be done because the NBA has been a league of unintended consequences. And we're going to talk about one of them coming up. Um, so you, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to say, okay, well, we'll get rid of defensive three seconds and then it tilts too far the other way. But you you do wonder if there are things they can do at 
the margins to take away that 1% because that's really what you're trying to do. Like if you if you can if you yeah. can cap it where it is right now, that I feel like I'm talking about global warming instead of NBA offense. Like if, if you can cap yeah. it at where it is right now, like you're probably fine. But it's you look at the trend line and where it's heading and it's just in, insidious. It's increasing every year. So uh, th- that's the thing that I think as a league, they need to get out in front of. Oh, another thing we should talk about, and it's important to talk about why this is happening if you're going to talk about quote unquote solutions, is just way more running as well. I mean, that was part of D'Antoni and his team were part of that too. But, you know, we're averaging, what, 15% more possessions than when the league was at so it's year. it's pace has driven some some of it i think because when i yeah. i did a compare it to my first year with the grizzlies because i thought that was just a fun comparison point uh you know my, <laughs> my first game with the team we won 80 to 71 and nobody has won a game scoring 80 points this entire season yeah you, uh, you memphians have a, a real <laughs> interesting definition of fun but <laughs> um yeah no it, it is an interesting comparison point but you know so basically like 10 if you want to say you know teams used to be averaging in like you know the high 90s and now they're averaging 115 you know probably you know five six seven points per game of that is just due to increased pace it's so you know more than that probably probably even more than that probably about 10 right the pace is a component of it but it's less than 50 percent of it okay yeah so bigger component um, is that offenses have become more efficient and what's interesting is they become more efficient even while bailing on offensive rebounding although that's actually another thing too for the last couple of years that offensive rebounding is is now back on the way up yeah uh so that's probably another and i think there's like offensive rebounding to me is good like that's interesting like i thought it was boring when teams were just conceding uh the defensive rebound to the other team Absolutely. Like, I, I actually like that they're and, and i mean just offensive rebounding in general it's going to increase the scoring probably for both teams it is possible to offensive rebound and get back but they're probably at least somewhat negatively correlated for some teams and so i, I think that's uh like i, I do want to see offense i don't want teams like offensive rebound less yes it's also for important context is this is basically about the lowest free throw environment we've ever seen and yes i do think one way that the league has helped the defense is with verticality at the rim where it used to be you know back in the 80s if you went vertical and there was like any contact like there would just be a foul right yeah. like there wasn't yeah. that has actually changed and i think it's good but then you have more of these kind of bullshit fouls in the perimeter which the league has tried to crack down on some and i think they could still maybe do a little bit more there a little bit yeah that could that could be a point because they put in you know what i call the trey young rules a couple years ago and and i think yeah. that helped a lot BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's still some things that, you know, could they could they call the off arm a little more? That, you know, that's one of the James Harden club. Well, I think that's actually my number one suggestion is they the biggest thing they cracked down on was hand checking, right? So you put your forearm on the guy that's supposed to be a foul defensively. So why is the offensive player allowed to put his forearm on the defensive player? Now, they in theory cracked down on like just the straight like crazy shove offs where you're extending the arm yeah but basically what you can use is just use your forearm as a blocking sled in basically any situation right so let's say you're posting up for and this is something i didn't really see 10 years ago uh and it really kind of started becoming more of a thing maybe in five years ago but like start with the post up right so like Giannis Jokic does this basically like if you couldn't put your forearm up you kind of had to like use your shoulder a little bit to ward the guy off but you couldn't lower it like a crazy amount because that would be an offensive foul but now you put your forearm up so you now have an extra foot of buffer zone where you can dribble and you can ward the guy off with the other hand so he can't get to your dribble so you mm-hmm. you now you're totally unbothered with your dribble in the post there's basically no chance of someone poking away your dribble because you just created an extra foot and a half with the length of your upper arm to ward the guy off so that's number one then you can bash into the guy with that and knock him backwards and the defensive player can like kind of respond there like you're allowed to use your forearm if the guy is his back to goal but then you see these guys like oh well my back's goal but then i'm gonna like slightly turn and go right through your form and then it's gonna be a foul because i like slightly turn towards the basket and now i'm considered to be facing the basket uh, and of course you can just dislodge the guy using your forearm it's a lot easier to do that than with your shoulder because you, you're not worried about losing the ball it's much easier to stay on balance and not get the chair pulled on you if you can use your forearm yeah and so it's it's like you can like the game is like really really physical in one-on-one defense because of this forearm like you just have to be like so incredibly strong defensively to not just get like knocked out of the way yeah so i mean i mostly watched you know watch a lot of hawks games so when what's a post up (laughs) well that's one of them the other one is the drive use the forearm and then back up right like steph curry does that all the time shea does that a fair amount uh, as well where again like you're just able to transfer your momentum into the defensive player knock him back stop yourself by transferring that momentum to him and then you're just wide open for the jumper and then there's the you know the Giannis one when you're facing the basket where you're dribbling you get the forearm up you knock the guy backwards and then you can just euro step right to the basket after you knock the guy back and so it makes it yeah like it makes it unless you're just an absolute you know Dylan Brooks style of fire plug or you've just got so much length that you can just recover back into the guy anyway or back off him enough when he tries to use the forearm that it's not a problem for you it's just like if if you are a a guy who isn't as strong as the guy you're guarding you just have no chance whatsoever in today's league unless you're just like absolutely perfectly in position and can take a charge but if you're just like kind of there like anytime a guy's not in legal guarding position 
the offensive player can just shove him out of the way, essentially. Yeah. At that yeah. point, which I uh, or if you try to stand up to him when you're not perfectly in legal guarding position, then it's a foul on you. So that's the biggest thing. I would just say, hey, you got to keep your forearm down. Like you can't put your forearm up and use it against the defensive player. Or that's an offensive foul. Yeah. And that, I think that would actually change a lot. That's a good one. I uh, somewhat relatedly. So I I did a little Q and A with uh, uh, Modest Buzelis, who's uh, one of the G League Ignite players, and I asked him which player he watches and, and what he takes from them and one of the first things he said was oh I watched Shade Gildas Alexander put his shoulder into guys to create space to get shot off yeah <laughs> so it's like the next generation is watching this and like this is what they're you know these are the things they're going to try to imitate and bring to the league and do even better than the guys are doing it now uh so so would you support that I mean, maybe it should be all these things. Maybe should be tried in the G League first, but I I think that would be a reasonable thing that would have a likely, you know, that's a thing that's likely to have impact more in order of one to two percent than five to ten percent. So that that's the type of thing you're probably going for. Yeah, and and there are just a lot of times, like because to me that's just not basketball. Like just yeah, shoving a guy out of the way is not basketball. Um, And so because going back to the idea of like, all right, does stuff need to change or not? The number on the scoreboard and the percentage of time teams are scoring like that doesn't bother me personally as much. What does bother me is just when you see these plays where it's like, okay, the like bullshit foul on the perimeter where the guy just throws some crap up. uh, It takes a shot he would never take because he feels some contact like, you know, I hate that. Um, you know, they've done a good job with like getting the rip move out of there. That's, I haven't yep. missed that in the exactly. slightest. That's been exactly. great to not see that anymore. So like they, they are dealing with some of these things. I think this, this forearm thing would be a, a much bigger change because it really does happen on every drive at this point. Cause if you, you, the way you see it, it's like very few of these drives are the, are, is it just like a blow by or something, right? It's like the guy is still kind of in front of him and then just like get shoved out, shoved out of the way by a bigger player. And it's more used as well when the tactic du jour is we're going to go after whoever the smallest player is on the other team and like those guys already like the offense doesn't need any help going after you know steph curry or trey young yeah and when you can shove them out of the way it gets even more ridiculous um do you have any other ideas that you would want to um that you would want to change here you could reduce scoring slightly by uh making free throws one to make two or one to make three or yeah like the way the uh, g league does because the percentage on the first free throw is lower yeah but when am i going to check twitter <laughs> <laughs> it would it would impact a little bit um you know some of the fatigue and whatnot on the court that would be interesting with like what the second order effects of that would be yeah i do think that that actually would slow things down a little bit um or, or i'm sorry it would, would i shouldn't say slow things down. that would make offense maybe even higher because like defense kind of takes more energy than offense like it's easy when you have the ball it's easy to summon the energy on defense it's a little bit different um yeah. like that's what research on back-to-backs has shown is that offense doesn't suffer nearly as much as your defense does when Mm -hmm. you're tired Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean that would but that like that to me is a I mean, if you want to speed up the game even more, but that's kind of more just like aesthetically, there isn't a crooked number on the scoreboard as opposed to affecting the game that much when you're watching other than just like less dead time. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, do you think they should experiment with more zone defense? I, you know, you, you see teams doing it more already. I would love for somehow teams to be able to play more of a real zone than they can play right now. Yeah. Well, it's so, 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 it's the so de- weird yeah. when you see a 2-3 zone except the middle is empty because some guys like tap dead 
dancing at the side of the lane. So I, I wonder if there's a way to preserve the intent of illegal defense while still allowing zones. And and I don't I don't quite have the answer. Yeah, uh, Zach Lowe talked about the idea of maybe increasing the amount of time for defense of three seconds. Yeah, I. I still think the thing the refs really react to is just sitting a guy sitting there not guarding anybody. Yeah. And, and more than like, because you don't see them, you know, one 1,000, two 1,000. Like that, that's not what they're doing. So I, I don't know if that's really the, I, I saw that. That was interesting. I'm not sure if that's the thing. You could, what if you could, you just reduced the area that defensive three second counts in. So it's like halfway up the lane instead of all the way up the lane. So you can, you can put a guy defensively at the foul line. I like that. I like that. Would we end up with like two toned lanes on the courts? That would be funky. (laughs) Oh yeah. No, no, we couldn't have anything like making the court too busy. That would be aesthetically it's such so these courts are so simple and pure you can as never, an in-season tournament traditionalist desecrate it <laughs> uh yeah that, that's a, it's kind of interesting i just thought of that right now I, that, that might be interesting to just be able to say like because that's basically in any nba zone right now if you get to the ball to the foul line it's all over yeah so you can at least put a guy there who can kind of deny that area slightly um calling more illegal screens was also suggested i don't really think that that's the end of the world yeah i I, first of all i think they've gotten pretty good at it second and it's to the point now where they're actually calling too many of the the bullshit play now is where the guard just throws throws his body in front of the screen or as soon as he starts to roll the jalen brunson special yeah um and so i i actually like i'm almost at the opposite on the illegal screen thing we're like no actually you got to call some guards now who are just who are just flinging themselves in the way of screeners uh so i i don't really say i feel anytime somebody gets their legs outside the frame of their body they pretty much get nailed right now yeah, I think that's reasonable, and it, it's also so hard to call, and it's it's one of these you can call holding on every play situations. Then you get the one where the guard is like trying to snake around the shoulder of the big man, and the other guard is like trying to get his body in between, and then the guard will like feel the guy trying to get his body in between and just decide to shoot it right then. I just I, I don't really mm-hmm. think more emphasis on making a call in that situation is going to help the game. Um, yeah. You know, like a screen is supposed to work, right? Like <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Like, yeah. That's like how basketball <laughs> yeah. is supposed to be. Um, like that's you. That's what makes it really interesting is that you kind of have a two on one with the screen, and now you got to bring another guy in there, and you got to figure out how to deal with that. That's like the important strategic dance uh, of basketball. How about this one that has been posited? Removing the corner three. I think that's too dramatic. Yeah, I think so too. Like, so you, so you, so you can't utilize the corner to space now, basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just have guys shooting their Udonis Haslam Memorial fifteen foot baseline jumper. I get nah. I can't get excited about that one. No, I can't think so either. Uh, and, and that, I mean, that would just be such a massive. It would just make it's good to utilize the entire floor mm-hmm. like like yeah. that i think is is aesthetically pleasing making the defense guard the entire floor i think is good i would be in favor of widening the court so that that corner three-pointer is like the same distance but that's not going to happen anytime soon uh no. well so so what are any other ideas that you have i 
I've wondered at times if there is some stuff they could do off the ball. Like, just make it easier to get in a cutter's way and not be called for a foul. Like, if I... Yeah. Like, you have to well, beat, we them, did beat see that. to the spot, yeah. be standing there and get totally flattened. And otherwise, they're going to call you for bumping the guy. It's like, no, no, like, I knew where he was going and I was there and he needs to go a different way different way now. Um, so I, I would like to see a little more of that. I don't... I mean, they implemented this off-the-ball movement freedom of movement after the 2018 Warriors Rockets series because the Rockets were just and the Warriors too to some extent but more of the Rockets were just holding the shit out of guys off the ball whenever they would switch and try to cut to the basket Mm -hmm. and I I do think like more cutting more passing like that's definitely a good thing I don't know if I want to crack down on that um BP added more than 70 billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022 Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Let's see if I can think of anything else. I think that's probably that's probably about it. That, oh, that um, no, 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 yeah. no. Uh, FIBA goaltending. Oh, knocking the ball off the rim? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these are things I think they really should try in the G League because they are pretty radical changes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've that, kind of been in favor me, of that for a that while. That to me is the type of thing that happens on the order of once a game. Where So you're probably looking at a 1% type level impact. I, I would be interested in that. And then so there's only, times- only on defense, though. Yeah, can, or are can you be, opening it up to the offense? I know too? that's the thing because you got you almost have to let the offense get it there too. But the de- the defense is going to be in better position than the offense most two thirds of the time. You would think. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that has really increased the scoring that much overseas compared to yeah. NBA. But there are so uh, it's not apples. It's apples and oranges there. Obviously, there's no defense at three seconds. There, three point line is shorter. Athletes in the NBA are better. Uh, way more contact is called uh, in the NBA. So I, I wouldn't. I think the two things I would say is. The forearm, mm-hmm. and then the FIBO, the way the like feel some contact and throw up the bullshit foul is officiated in FIBO. Those would be the two things that I would probably want to try where they just don't, where the FIBO refs are like, wait, that's not basketball. Why did you shoot it right there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, good. they're going to go get the rebound now. Enjoy. <laughs> like uh, Austin Reeves, yeah, you're just going to pick your dribble up uh, 18 feet from the basket and slam into a guy that you think isn't in front of you and throw the ball off the backboard. Like, yeah, okay. You just turned it over and I shot. Um, 
So I, I, I do enjoy that. So those would be my recommendations. I'm not as like concerned about it overall as I think a lot of people are. I I just remember what it was like in the 90s. And I'm just like, oh, I, I remember quite well. Yes. And we, we definitely don't want to go back to that. I mean, this is definitely I would much rather be on this side of the of the fulcrum than the other side. Right. But yeah. I, I just I, I guess I see some of these storm clouds coming now, though, where we might be tilting too far in that direction i got one more theory for you okay uh, this would mostly apply to this season but if players are actually if big stars are actually playing more games this year than they have in the past and we don't know whether that's because of the 65 game requirement the resting policy or just guys just haven't been injured as much this year it could just be luck some years there are mm-hmm. more injuries than others but i do think that guys playing more games leads to them being more tired but if you follow the idea that's been proven statistically that when you're tired or like on a back-to-back or whatever your defense suffers more than your offense so you've got more guys playing who are tired who can't defend but then you also have like more of the best offensive players out there regularly at the same time that could be having an incremental effect well definitely and the place i thought you were going with this originally was that star players you know some of the best players in the league can have an impact on the offensive end that's maybe like plus six plus seven points per hundred or whatever where nobody yeah. has that impact on the defensive end right for, for good or bad and yeah and so it's just when, when you have the best offensive players playing a higher percentage of the minutes it's it's just going to have a greater impact on the league's overall offense so you're in favor of carl anthony towns making the all-star team over rudy gobert is that what you're saying <laughs> That would be that would be a a gross misinterpretation of of my statement. <laughs> All right, well, what do we? That, that's maybe a way to shift then into mm-hmm. this uh, the sixty five game requirement. I just I'm shocked, shocked that there might be some unintended consequences from this. I, yeah. I can't believe that a rule that was enacted to try to get players to play through injury is now causing players to try to play through injury to their detriment. Yeah. De- so I the unintended consequences weren't supposed to happen until after the TV contract was signed. I, I thought that's how this was supposed to work. <sighs> Yeah. Well, maybe it's maybe it's mostly done. Uh, maybe that's why Adam Silver has an extension. <laughs> yeah. now. That's true. That's true. But yeah, I mean, we saw it. You know, everyone's focused on Embiid, but Halliburton came back way too injury. Halliburton too early from his that, hamstring injury. Yeah, that's the greater miscarriage of justice. And because that's what they're doing him, right that's now. That's costing him money. That's just that's not a trophy. Like that's money that's costing him. Well, have you seen what they've done the last two games? Uh, have they been so, play, playing him like 21 minutes exactly? So, oh no, I'm sorry, 24, right? And then, but then they stop. He like just plays his normal minutes, and then they just stop playing him midway through the third quarter. It's like what the the Clippers did with Kawhi Leonard at the start of last year, but in reverse. Yeah, and I I, I actually think there's a reason for that. I think um like physios will tell you that that's a that's a better way to do it than to have have it like spaced too far spaced out too much in the game and like too many rest periods where he's where he's cooling down restarting cooling down restarting so i actually actually get that uh that that part i guess does it even though it looks weird from a uh the optics or from a fan perspective or whatever in terms of injury prevention i i've when i work for the grizzlies i had people tell me that that if you're gonna have somebody play 20 minutes the best way to do it is have them play as normal minutes and then just end his night early so that part didn't shock me well here's uh another reason uh that i think that he they're doing it this way okay uh this is from the league summary of the cba 
Mm-hmm. A player will be considered to have played in a regular season game for purposes of these rules, i.e. Mm-hmm. the 65 game requirement, if he has played at least 20 minutes of the game, except that for up to two regular season games per season, the game will count if the player plays between 15 and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just just a coincidence that his uh, minutes limit is 22 right now, I'm sure. It's, uh, Although, it's all science. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's science and it's also interesting because it's not necessarily in Indiana's interest. No, I don't think like, you... Is it, like, for like the, okay, we're going to get 20 minutes at Tyrese Halliburton and have him be plus five and lose the game because we exit, he exits in the middle of the third quarter. I mean, it's just, I mean, maybe like from a math perspective, maybe it helps, but it also does like fuck up your team. Yeah. Like, okay, good good job. We're doing great here with Tyrese. All right, well, I guess he's out now. We got to just go to a completely it's different just, game plan. It's just so hard to do that with your with your primary offensive player. I mean, when you do that with, you know, PJ Tucker or whatever, like nobody notices, but when it's when it's somebody who's so integral to every play you run at the offensive end, I I just think that part makes it really difficult. I I, I haven't done any reporting on this. They wouldn't tell me anyway, but I think there's a pretty decent chance that he would not be playing right now were it not for the 65 game requirement i think a well if he was playing right now it would be because he didn't re-aggravate it trying to come back the first time <laughs> yeah yeah right now in fairness i, I watched they, that game yeah. like he was clearly not ready to come back when he, in, in that game no. it was like okay and, what are we yeah. doing here and particularly with the hamstring it's not the type of thing where it's like you can just kind of play on it and it'll keep getting better and so i just yeah this doesn't I, i'm sure every every second that he's out there i'm sure everyone on the medical staff is just like gritting their teeth and this also is not it just like whose purpose does this serve at this point for them to be going through this and yeah there's the impede thing too which we'll we'll talk about but uh i think this one is the more farcical one particularly because there is this monetary impact and also because mvp that's one especially because of the valuable component i don't think there is that much of a concern that some guy was going to play 53 games and win mvp but like joel Embiid or tyrus halper like they've been so good if they play 62 games like they will still deserve to make all nba over like i don't know uh demontis sabonis playing 75 games yeah. like anybody yeah. would rather have 58 games of Embiid than 75 as sabonis um what about carl anthony or Towns? same thing okay yeah I'd, uh, although i guess we also now have the non-positional aspect of all nba this that's is true that's true this this whole thing is going to be a shit show i predict that it, this will not be back next year i think i think you're right i mean we'll see how it actually ends up in the voting but i i th- i think you're right because I think as you know, the second half of the season, we usually see more injuries and whatever. So I think it's I think it's only going to descend from here. Yeah, absolutely. But it means good PR if they everyone will be happy if they get a little more BRI. But it's it's really I, I just I just hope everyone understands what's going on here. That this yeah. this entire thing is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. 
the slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Uh, anything you want to say on the Embiid situation? Yeah, I mean, it seems like to be of a similar vein. That combined with, I think, some of the criticism from not playing against Jokic earlier in the week uh, yeah. ended up with him playing in a game he probably should not have been playing in and injuring himself worse, and let's hope he's okay. I mean, the way the way the news has dribbled out about this like makes me makes makes a it makes me think it's not like it's not like a thing where something is broken or ruptured where you're like okay he has a torn whatever but like that clearly isn't the thing but you just you just wonder if this is going to be like multiple weeks type thing yeah it could be i i don't know that i buy the idea that he got hurt worse because he was out there necessarily like having someone land on his leg the way Kaminga did with four minutes left but he clearly wasn't moving like when his leg just buckles when he goes to run across the lane and contest a shot I mean that's probably where you you shouldn't be out there at at that I mean all right if it's a playoff game that's one thing like yeah but like this is the NBA regular season like these games don't ultimately matter that much I know everyone wants to pretend that they do but particularly for really good teams they don't that's That's why I mean that's the exact thing I wrote when they put this in is that you're you're trying to play you're doing something that's pretend basically because you're you're trying to legislate that games that don't matter should matter and, and you ultimately run into this brick wall of reality yeah no i thought they did a good job of making those early season in-season tournament games matter yes. but they still yeah i mean there still are just too many games and it's too difficult to play all 82 games for a, a full season like this and if you try in this modern nba like you're probably going to just end up hurting your chances of winning a championship and or an award so until they until they fix the problem that there are too many games it's all just going to be a ridiculous band-aid and you're going to end up with some guys being collateral damage along the way um rockets grizzlies trade yes Yes. I, so I'm in Memphis. So that was uh, quite a thing to walk into the arena last night, almost at the exact moment the trade was announced. I thought Memphis did pretty well out of this because I didn't know what they were going to do with their situation vis-a-vis the tax and the center position. It seemed like they had to move off one of Clark or Adams and that they didn't have a great exit. And so Houston coming in and giving them three seconds for Steven Adams, I, I don't know how they could have done better than that. And especially now they generated. million trade exception for Adams as well. They just have a lot more flexibility now coming into the offseason. We'll see what they do with Luke Kennard, who has that team option, which is kind of the other big uh, decision ahead of them. But I think they have a lot of ways they can go now, and they're just not... they, They seemed very inflexible before this trade and now they have enough wiggle room to do a few different things and kind of the playbook is open again i mean even just to get three seconds for a guy who's out for the year regardless of the fiscal component you could make the argument that like he's probably not going to be a starting caliber center yes yeah I, now, I, they still yeah i think that's fair uh now houston 
doesn't need him to be a starting caliber center because they have Shen Goon. So from their perspective, it's a little different. Um, this is one of the reasons, though, that you do that trade a week out from the trade deadline because now they have enough time to do the physical. And if they do rescind the trade, they're not like when you do these trades right at the trade deadline. One of the problems is yeah. if you if you flunk the physical or you find something in the physical, you're just screwed because you can't go back and 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 go back in time like the deadline passed. Like you can't do anything else. So, and and a lot of times when they're, you know, when there's cap money involved or was a multi-team deal, like it just turns in, uh, turns into a huge problem. And so I, you know, I give uh, Houston a lot of credit for going ahead, doing this now. Now they can do a real physical on him and really get the stat. I mean, my spies tell me that they, Houston was pretty comfortable with the medical on him and whatever, but now they can look under the hood and really make sure what's going on with that knee before they rubber stamp the trade. Yeah, and there's three seconds involved, so maybe you could renegotiate it to fewer seconds if it, there's a health issue. I thought that for Houston, the biggest benefit here is like, yeah, it's great to have a backup center. This idea that he's going to play 20 minutes a game next year seems a little ridiculous if you have Shingun as well. But I liked it because I thought it was a uh, a big... Uh, the fact that Kelly Uko was reporting that they're going star hunting and this are somewhat related because either this year or next year i mean they had a depot this year so really next year they can make a trade for a star next year without having to give up any players that they really like or maybe just a good player right so you could now they're looking at maybe some cap space this offseason but they want to go the cap space route in the summer of 2025 so they didn't want to take any on anybody longer than one year which adams is yeah and now you can uh have jeff green and jock landale just keep them on the books and between green landale adams and jay sean tate you can get to in next off season for example yeah. you could get to the salary of a star and hey steven adams will probably help you along the way if he, he is going to actually be there next year yeah so yeah it gives them the the same reason they did they did the porter for oladipo trade rather than cutting porter to kind of keep that money alive for the next trade and yeah. this trade also helps them with that i i you're not going to give up three seconds just to keep the money alive right but uh, it's it's a component of it certainly that that they still take that flexibility into next year where he can be part of an expiring contract package uh, with with some other guys if they if they go big whale hunting. So is Memphis cheaping out here? Is that? I don't. I don't think it's cheaping yeah. out. I think it's. I think it's being able to use their mid level in the off season and having access to some other things uh, that they might not be able to otherwise. So I and I. I think they had. I, I think they had too much money committed to uh, question marks at the center position, and now they can. Now you know if Clark is the only wild card, you can deal with that a little better. Uh, you know Jaron can play some five. You know Tillman. You can probably bring back inexpensively. You'll either draft a center or sign another center somehow. But you can. You, you have control over what's happening there without having all the injury questions. When you have when you have two rehabbing bigs at the same time, like I, I just think it's so hard to build the rest of your team f- starting from that point. So I, I can understand why Memphis went the route they did. I mean, they probably need a different. Even if Stevo would come back next year, I don't think bringing him back as the starting five on a team that you're expecting to be good again next year was a realistic thing. No, that makes sense. He'll have not played in you know what twenty months by the start of next season. So it is tough to rely on him for, especially at his age. And like I think he is 
kind of fits in more as a backup center and that that helps you like the number of guys who are like bigs who at least could plausibly play and also have the money that you're looking for like you couldn't have signed a really good backup big for that money because he wouldn't have if the guy was that good he would just be a starter somewhere and he or he would want a longer than one year contract so it's yeah i think it actually it helps both teams uh, in the end you do kind of say like well if adams is really going to help the rockets that much like wouldn't he's big so important to memphis's identity why wouldn't you just stay there they don't really have this like knocking heads center they've been at their best there but i think they also have kind of wanted to space the floor and shoot more threes and see if they can go that route yeah because it didn't uh, the it, other, yeah. it didn't work in the playoffs you know what the worst part of this trade is i brought my new zealand hat to memphis <laughs> for what for what? Nothing. Wasted trip. Yeah, especially yeah, the hat, particularly like if it's like a baseball cap, it takes a lot of room in the suitcase. Like you don't want it to get crushed. <laughs> That's it's a big, difficult packing. Uh, the other thing too that may have impacted this is Memphis is going to have a high draft pick this year. They probably weren't counting on, so that also impacts. Oh, absolutely. Because because if, if Alex Sar is their pick, then yeah, they didn't need Stephen Adams. Yeah. Well, and and furthermore, just the money as well. It's just going to be a more expensive it's another t- yeah. It's basically player, ten million you know? instead of the two million they thought when when the season began. Absolutely. Let's rule team out of the playoffs. Washington the Wizards. Fruit. <laughs> the, the, the low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit is all gone, totally right? Eliminated. I think so, yeah. We have each ruled out six. Washington, Detroit, Portland, San Antonio, Charlotte, and the aforementioned Memphis Grizzlies are on the shelf for us at this point. I think Tor- it's your turn, actually. No, wait. I, I always say it's your turn. I'll, I'll go. Let's All see right. here. Gonna we always prepare so extensively for this segment. <laughs> well, you know, it's such a it's it's been such a riddle who to eliminate that we've had to do a lot of prep work. <laughs> yeah, this time it's a little, getting a little, little tougher. A little tougher. A little tougher um because really uh, all the rest of these teams are at least going to be trying think to make the play in hmm. and when you just look at the records there are two teams that really stand out two other teams that haven't hit 20 wins yet which mm-hmm. is toronto and brooklyn yes brooklyn like there's still a possibility they could make a trade toronto actually when they have their full team together I actually kind of believe in them more than some of the other teams uh, in that miserable east play-in chase at, at the bottom toronto i'm worried about pulling the plug though they're only two ahead of portland in the win column and with that top six protected pick like it's one thing if if only memphis finishes ahead of them and they're exactly sixth worst like that there's still a decent chance it ends up being seven and then you've just given san antonio this golden whatever um but if memphis and portland finish ahead of them now they're the fifth worst now two teams would have to jump them to yeah. the pick to san antonio so i think toronto I, they can't be worse than portland there's no way they can be worse than portland they are not worse at basketball than portland but but, the, but, the but like, thing- you're not going to like shut down like young players that you want to develop, like Emmanuel Quickly and Scotty Barnes and RJ Barrett. Like, like you're not going to just shut those guys. Maybe the last two weeks of the season they would, but you can't just like trade for all these guys and yeah. then just tank your ass off like they they want to be better i i think you're probably right the other thing is they're only a half game behind memphis and memphis is just running out of players so i i, I think they probably probably are more likely to end up you know seventh worst or higher uh the other the other thing i would say is enter a tanking battle with the portland trailblazers at your own risk oh my god they they yeah. have shown is, is, is john butler available to play some point guard <laughs> 
Get that Butler Ibu Baji pick and roll game going. <sighs> okay, I, I got to actually make a decision here so we can talk about the, this team in question once we eliminate them. I'm going to eliminate the Brooklyn Nets from the playoffs. Wow. Okay. Okay. The The reason I held back from eliminating Brooklyn is because I still think there's some chance that they d- end up doing a positive trade rather than a negative trade. In other words, yeah. that I think it's unlikely, but there is a chance like sitting on all those picks from Phoenix that they that they try to jump in and get something to make them better looking ahead to next year because they, they owe the picks to Houston this year anyway. So like who gives a shit, right? Yeah. And I think there's a possibility. In fact, in our uh, mock trade deadline, they traded for DeRozan. They traded Cam Thomas for DeRozan. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, I wanted to see if you had any opinion on, on some of those in a second. But, okay. yeah, I'm going to go with Brooklyn. I think they just defensively, they just haven't remotely gotten it together the way I think they need to be to be a threat. And it's just hard for me to imagine them winning two games in the play-in as, as well. I just think Toronto has more potential. I was also a little tempted on Atlanta, but they still have talent. Uh, and I, I think they're, they're just a more talented team than Brooklyn. Like Trey Young could bring them on a run or something. Like we've seen him go off the second half of the season. So I, yeah, it was a tough call for me. So who who would you pick? You pick Toronto? Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to pick Toronto. I think uh, the moves they're going to make, if they make moves, are going to be trade Bruce Brown, trade Gary Trent. So more talent going out, not talent coming in. You know, they, I mean, they might even trade Schroeder. We'll see, even though he has another year after this one. Um, you know, they're going to play Grady Dick 20 minutes a game, even though he's not ready just to you know play him and so i i just think so many of the indicators are a minus there that yeah i mean they ha- they have a floor with barnes and Pirtle both out there which they hopefully would be but th- the rest of the team is just not that good quickly i, I think he's pretty good i, I, I think, think he's qu- gonna i think i think quickly awesome. is a good player although his first few games in toronto have not been super um yeah. I, I i do think he's a good player i think that's going to be a good deal for them in the long run but i also like i don't think he's like a needle mover player either i don't know i i yeah well you don't have to move the needle very far when <laughs> you consider the competition i mean we didn't even chicago is like somehow ahead of all these teams yeah well. Chicago- that's another team it's really hard to imagine them actually winning uh winning the play-in Hey, they almost like did I last just think year. Toronto. Yeah, they were a few minutes away. Chicago, Chicago is too commit, too committed to their to their pursuit of mediocrity to rule them out this early. I feel yeah. like I decided to just go. Like I didn't want to rule out Toronto because I actually think they're one of the more talented teams of this group still, and they're not like that far behind. Um, okay, so I had Toronto. Uh, I had Brooklyn, and you had Chicago. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
Do you want to take a look at the, uh, I know you looked at it earlier in the week, our, our trades from the mock trade, see if there's anything that you thought was like particularly interesting, realistic, I mean, perhaps? The idea of Zach Levine going to Detroit, I do think is interesting. Because he is like he is maybe just young enough that that doesn't feel completely ridiculous. And the way you set up those picks in that trade you did, it does protect Detroit from the worst case scenarios. Yeah, I I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you think that's like a fair trade? It it felt like I don't think the Bulls are doing any better than that. Let me put it that way. So yeah, it like it. I was like, okay, yeah, like that. That feels like a like a reasonable deal. Um, sadly, your Robert Williams trade is probably out now that the Rockets got Stephen Adams. I thought that was a pretty cool one too. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, that was Brogdon and Rob Williams basically for uh brooklyn's pick this year probably would have been maybe uh, did we protect it it was i don't think we no did. it was yeah. just 2024 brooklyn first yeah uh don't yeah. forget jabari walker he's in he's in that he's in oh that yeah okay well. uh the other one right, i yeah, really that's... liked uh we've talked about naji marshall on the show before but boston trading for him uh to get another rotation caliber forward which i think they're they i think we need they need from a depth perspective and uh, to be able to re-sign him relatively inexpensively with bird rights, like I, I think that would be a really nice deal for both sides. There's no way New Orleans with their cap situation can keep Najee Marshall past this season. Uh, the one you have in here that's interesting, like I don't know if that's the exact deal, but you definitely hear stuff with Milwaukee about Connaughton and Portis, either alone or in combination, for them to do with it whatever they want to do next to get another player. Uh, you've heard them in uh, with your deal was for DeAndre Hunter. You've actually heard it with Dejounte Murray, where I don't think the Bucks have enough other capital to put no, in a deal to no, realistically they don't. do that. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and then your Tyus Jones destination makes a lot of sense. I, I do think that's one of the ones I, oh, 20, oh, I see what you did here. 2024 Charlotte first, which of course will not be a Charlotte first. It'll be two seconds. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I do think San Antonio needs a real point guard. I think Tyus Jones is, uh, you know, obviously his brother's already there, but I, I think that's a good situation for him going into free agency. He's an unrestricted free agency. So he has some unrestricted free agent, excuse me. So he has some options. The thing I keep hearing, kept hearing is he wants to go somewhere where he can start well san antonio is a place where he can start he'll be there with his brother he'll be on the ground floor with wemby like that's just a good situation so i I like that one a lot yeah i felt that i was the spurs and i pursued him they obviously have what it would take to go get him maybe you run into this issue of well you have so much stuff like why don't you trade more of it but ultimately washington i think will be in the position of just having to take the best offer there and because i don't know if you're ever going to get a first for tyus jones unless you take back some really really bad money even if he's on a new contract that's relatively similar to what he's making now i i do think minnesota kind of makes the most sense minnesota is actually they've gotten a nice little boon with memphis being so bad this year that that memphis second that they have is actually now worth something oh that's a great point looking it was looking like it wasn't going to be helpful so that's that actually that's a real second that would probably top six seven oh no no they didn't get that i'm sorry i i was thinking they got that in a sign and trade for tyus jones but he wasn't a sign sign a trade um yeah. tyus jones is from minnesota so that yeah. that would be an interesting one to watch now whether he wants how, how would they do that after this year with jo- jones and conley both being unrestricted free agents yeah. would they try to bring both 
both of them back? Would they bring them both back and make Tyus Jones a starter next year when Mike's a little older? Um, like what, what would be the situation there? And then what's the contract going to be? Like what, Minnesota would basically have to trade Kyle Anderson in order to do that. So that takes away from them on that front. So could they could they do something? Could they do something a little bigger where they got Tyus Jones and Corey Kispert and maybe, you know, traded Milton and Brown and Anderson? Yeah. Well, I, I think they're struggling to have enough assets to even get Tyus Jones, not to mention well, yeah, exactly. throwing in another guy. Exactly. So it just, but, but it just my thinking really was hard he's... for Minnesota to, to get to the finish line on him. But yeah, it makes he makes a ton of sense there, without a doubt. Yeah, and they could try, like Minnesota could also, if they wanted to go some swaps that they have, they could maybe go that that direction as well. But that, I think the idea behind Jones was, number one, he can help them this year. And number two, if Conley leaves or just becomes ineffective they could re-sign jones they wouldn't have a way to bring in a guy quite at his salary level next year so they would be able to use his bird rights he's kind of has a lot of similarities to mike conley definitely um, and yeah. it would be quite quite the journey for tyus jones to be drafted by minnesota then move to memphis in a deal that minnesota didn't want to match beat memphis in a playoff series and then end up back in minnesota where he's from again be pretty remarkable yes beat minnesota in a playoff series yeah 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 oh sorry did i say beat memphis yeah, yeah. Players. yeah yeah um last thing before we go okay this was our dejounte murray trade d'angelo russell jalen hood chafino unprotected 2028 swap 2029 first unprotected for dejounte murray basically all the lakers could offer other than max christie and austin reeves do you think in the end that will get it done for Atlanta? And let's we'll call in this scenario uh, the magic. And th- there were teams that were willing to take D'Angelo Russell for an expiring contract because that seems like a big concern for Atlanta that they're going to be in the tax again next year. See, I I still think even if they took Russell into the summer, they'd be able to move him at that point. So I I wouldn't be like fretting over that too much if I were, if I were the the Hawks. And he makes I mean he makes eight million dollars less next year I think than than Murray's extension number is too. So I I think that it helps them regardless. I think at the end of the day that is going to be the deal that the Hawks have on the table next Thursday where they either say this is the best deal we have for Murray or we have to take our ball and go home and try again in the summer i i think it's going to be i think those are the two doors for them to go through i think they've they've canvassed the market i i don't think they're doing any better than that they're not going to find another team that's more desperate than the lakers right now so it's either it's either take it or leave it at this point for for the hawks with with that type of deal and the only other thing you could maybe be trying to do if you're the hawks is can i stuff more money into this somehow to send back to the lakers you know can i what would it take for you to leave the lot today with deandre hunt you know, is there something I can do there? Uh, but but with the contractual limitations on the Lakers, with the uh, with the apron especially, I just don't see a, a true end game there. I mean, like Hunter for Hachimura, like does that even like that doesn't even advance the ball for either team really? It's just potato for potato. So I. I think at the end of the day, that that deal you put out there, they end up either doing that deal or no deal with DeJounte Murray. That's that's what I'm betting on. If you were the Lakers, would you trade Reeves for, like, would you make Reeves the asset rather than 28 swap, 29 first? 
Uh, no, I would trade the future picks. Yeah, because I, I think so too. Because they need, they still need a second ball handling guard if they get Murray, and they can't. Like the Hawks don't want Hachimura because his contract goes out too long. So Russell has to be the guy going back. So if you give up both Russell and Reeves for Murray, then where where are you? I mean, maybe maybe the reason you do that is the Hawks say, hey, twenty eight swap and twenty nine first is not enough. Like, but we'll do it just for Reeves instead. Yeah, like if they did, it would have to be like Reeves and Vincent or something. Like that, that would be the only, that'd be the only thing, but. Well, I guess Reeves I, is a pretty close match in salary right now to Murray. So you could do it for tw- like Reeves and Prince. Or Reeves and Hood Shafino, actually. It might get you to the finish line there. Um, yeah. The, uh, the, but the biggest thing with the Lakers, obviously, you only have LeBron James and Anthony Davis right now. You don't have them in 2029. You don't know what you have in 2029. Yeah. Even if it ends up being a high pick, like you have this window right now that you have to maximize to the best that you can, even if your team doesn't look that great at the moment. All right, well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, If you are listening on the free feed, I suggest that you listen to our next episode, which will be available for free, but only on Dunktown Prime. We're doing this free trial, getting a ton of people signing up for it. We're really excited about that, really excited about the chance uh, to earn your business in the long term. So John and I's next episode, wrapping up the trade deadline, it will be exclusively available to Dunked On Prime subscribers, but you can listen to it for free. Just sign up for that 30-day free trial. And of course, you can get all the other great aspects of Dunked On Prime, the five episodes a week from me and Danny. You get Seth Partnow's writing. You get Dan Feldman's Daily Dunks five days per week in either audio or written form. Access to our Discord. You can check out our salary sheets, which we will be updating within moments of every trade and will be published and we do written chats uh seth danny dan and me uh, once a month as well so you're just going to get more basketball content here we think than basically anywhere else uh, in audio form over i don't know probably 250 episodes per year i would say between me and john and everyone else maybe even more than that probably like 270 i would guess that's a lot john you're insane man <laughs> you're you're a machine <laughs> well i don't do any writing though that's true that's that makes that makes my life like i'm this i'm the slowest writer but i can <laughs> at least talk a lot <laughs> all right well, all right well thanks so much for listening everyone and we'll talk out of to coffee y'all. so we gotta end the show <laughs> We'll talk to y'all next week exclusively on Dunked on Prime. Hope to see you there with that free trial. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.